Good evening. Welcome to our dinner party. We're your hosts, Bree and Leah, and we're excited to have you for dinner. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the 10th anniversary of one of the best shows in the history of television, NBC's Hannibal. Each week, we'll recap one episode from season one, so we encourage you to revisit the show along with us. If you notice that any of our guests disappear from one week to the next, it would be quite impolite to ask any questions. We made you chicken soup. (laughs) I've never seen black chicken before, so it didn't look super appealing to me, but at least we know for sure it was not human flesh. I mean, but we all know that that was real bone broth. Yeah, I'm sure that was human bone broth, no question. (laughs) But it was was relieving to see, like, a clear, identifiable animal part where you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that's definitely chicken. Even though it was uh, rare black chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Right, like something else, like, also unethical, but... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's unethical, it just looked... Well, I feel like if it's a a rare animal, it probably is unethical to kill it. I don't know if it's rare or not. I just know it's like more common in China, but I don't. I don't actually know if it's rare or not. Watch it be like me talking out of my ass. Watch it be like an an endangered species. (laughs) He's like, here's some dodo bird soup. Will (laughs) he doesn't get enjoyment out of meat unless it's incredibly unethical (laughs) to eat it. (laughs) I mean, he did um, serve foie gras, so. Yeah, he did. Foie foie gras? Foie gras. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Uh, Yes. So this week we are discussing season one, episode 12, entitled Releve. It originally aired on June 13th, 2013, and it is the penultimate episode of the first season. And it definitely has that like penultimate uh, episode feeling where you're leading up to a big finale, like a lot happens in this episode, and a lot of things come together and kind of get tied together. It feels like, um, it's like this whole thing has been a very elaborate murder Rue Goldberg machine, and everything's finally like hitting (laughs) and being knocked over. And you're like, what, where's it gonna end? (laughs) Yep. Yes. This is a very stressful episode. Yes. yes, Personally, to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because there's like little to no, um, there's there's no um, murder of the week in this episode. There's no. Um, I mean, there sort like, of is, but not. But it's all. It all kind of is directly involved with the overall thing. You know, there's not a lot of like unrelated murder of the week. I'll say that. Um, there's not kind of like a third party that they're investigating for a crime that happened somewhere else. You know, this is something that like directly involves the like whole thing with Abigail and everything. And so there's nothing that breaks up the tension that's being built. You know, we don't have anything to kind of like distract us. It's all very much like one scene to the next of everything is kind of falling into place to end somewhere where we don't know where, but it, it'll it be bad. <laughs> and bad for Will, specifically. Bad for, yes, specifically. Good for Hannibal. Everything's kind of coming up Hannibal, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, by his design, but we'll talk about this later, I think Hannibal is so diabolical. discussion, because it's yeah. a very... It's, it's, it's very complex. Yes, know? yes. Uh, so... Let's get into the recap, shall we? So this episode starts off with, um, if you remember, in the last episode, they were dealing with Georgia Matchin, who was the killer of the week, and she was the one that um, couldn't see people's faces, and she was kind of trying to, like, 
reveal them, take off their masks, whatever. And we find out through Will and her mother and other doctors that, like, she has something very, very wrong with her and she's not really present. Um, And she ended up getting caught because Hannibal frames her for the murder of Dr. Sutcliffe. And she is in this oxygen chamber, um, which is kind of restoring most of her, like, higher functioning. It seems like she's kind of lucid for the first time in a while. Um, But then this episode is starting off with her and Will Graham talking. And it seems like she doesn't have a lot of faith in the lucid kind of lucid state sticking. She's like, I've been told this before and it nothing nothing could fix me, basically. Because he specifically mentions uh, treatment. She says that they're going to do uh, like electroshock therapy on her as a treatment. And she doesn't have a lot of faith that this is actually going to do anything because she's been through this cycle so many times of like, thinking there's the right diagnosis, going through a treatment, it doesn't do anything. And then she Um, ends up slipping back into this state where she is not aware of anything that she's doing. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a little bit of a continuation of of the theme from Georgia's episode, which I believe was episode 10, where Will is, is kind of grappling with this question of whether he is mentally ill himself, and if he is, what that future is going to look like for him. And he's he's relating to her instability. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So he definitely, it seems like, feels some sort of kinship with her. And that continues on. They're, they're talking, and um, we find out later that that probably is a big no-no to talk to someone who was trying to kill you. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to Will, she was in an oxygen chamber that was sealed. Like, how would she do anything to him? You know, but I mean, I get like how for for the court and everything that wouldn't look good, but whatever. Um, So they're talking and it's bittersweet because, like we said, we have this kind of lucidity to George Imagine and she's aware, but she's also not hopeful for the future. And Will's kind of just hearing her and kind of like, I hope it does work. There is a lot of like science backing up how this could work, but he can't make any promises to her. And also, Mans is still delirious himself. Yeah, he is still in the hospital recovering from this fever. Uh, he, he stumbles out with a, with a um, what are they called? The IV bag? Yeah, he's IV. still hooked up to an IV bag and he's got it hanging on this little, you know, rolling post. You Stumbling know, into the room with the oxygen chamber, looking rough. And it's like, boy, go to bed. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> And so he's still recovering. And in the next scene, uh, Hannibal comes to visit Will in the hospital. And uh, Hannibal has brought Will uh, some soup, chicken noodle soup. <laughs> it's, it's of course, it's Hannibal chicken noodle soup, as we mentioned. So it's like, you know, black chicken with Chinese Artisanal. spices and ginger. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> this isn't your mother's chicken soup. Um <laughs> Thank God, too. I guess I unless your mother's Chinese, maybe. I don't know. I guess maybe that's racist of me to say that. <laughs> well, no. no he still because... made an elevated version because everything he makes is like... And uh, I feel like it was still a Europeanized... What is what is that? What is yeah, the that's the word. It yeah. Is. yeah, I think it was still kind of like a uh, another culture's take on what that would be. Right. You it's know, not so like authentically Chinese. I don't think Chinese, it was like yeah. an authentic Chinese recipe. So like, I still don't think regardless that it would have been like anyone's 
go-to chicken soup for when they were sick. (laughs) True. So, yeah, Hannibal is describing the soup and Will's like, you made me chicken soup. (laughs) And Hannibal pauses and he's like, yes. (laughs) And you can tell he's like a little embarrassed about it, which is very wholesome. But again, that's the only wholesome thing that happens in this episode. So hold on to it. (laughs) (laughs) Cherish it it. in your hearts because that's it. Yeah, so Hannibal and Will have a discussion over their lunch or dinner or whatever meal this is. And um, chicken soup for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, no rules in the <laughs> hospital. Time doesn't matter. Uh and they have a discussion. Uh it's their first of I think two mm-hmm. in this episode, correct? Yeah, this time it's Jack who gets the the cycle of three talks with yes. Hannibal. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. It's it is. I feel like there's got to be some something symbolic about the three the three meetings because it comes up again and again. And I don't know if it's just because three is a very just numerologically pleasing number. Well, um, and again, it's it's. I think we've we kind of cracked it on the head last time where when the whole kind of the the entire narrative of each episode is is kind of hinged on these talks with Hannibal. So we have kind of a beginning, middle, and end of the case. And so each of them is just kind of really, uh, like, emphasized with this point in the story where Hannibal's having a conversation. And it's just most often Will, because they're the ones kind of leading the story. But in this case, it's Jack, because they're the whole. this whole episode is kind of a, talking about Will um, without him present. <laughs> Unlike previous ones where it's like, we're talking about Will, but he's here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This this conversation kind of cements in Hannibal's head, I think, that there is a chance that Georgia Madshed could recover her memories, which is obviously the reason that he then has to kill her. So, yeah, I think that this, this conversation serves as both kind of a moment, again, trying to to solidify this friendship between Hannibal and Will, but also being like, oh, he's doing his little dastardly research to find out what Will knows about Georgia and what Georgia remembers. Yes. And unfortunately, Georgia may remember too much. So she has to go. And um, this is one of the more creative assassinations i would say in this show i found um, it the most like the, the most depressing out of all of them it is it is and i because i think georgia madgen is such a kind of sad was, character was, to begin with she's like all of all of the hope you have for will being okay is tied to georgia madgen because of how the previous episode kind of entangled their narratives so when georgia is killed and all of her hope is gone that's just kind of like it dooms will you know whether or not that's actually what's going to happen it feels like will's doomed because of this and it's also just heartbreaking because like you you can't help but want her to be better because she didn't kill those people because she's this evil person it was this this real problem and she didn't even have any like real concrete memory of doing any of it and so you just see this woman who's recovering from this traumatic event and she's finally kind of relieved that she's feeling human again she's seeing her own face she's seeing faces in general and then to have that 
used against her in the form of like giving her a hairbrush because she wants to actually take care of herself and she's aware of herself enough to do that. And then that ends up being the thing that kills her is just. Yes. So she wakes up, she's in this chamber, as we've said, it's, it's like highly oxygenated and it's totally sterile, um, but there's, yeah, there's extra oxygen in it. And so she's not allowed to have any kind of like cotton clothing or anything because that'll produce static electricity. So obviously a plastic comb, when you brush your hair, that's going to create static. going to create static, mm-hmm. yeah. So she finds a comb in her chamber. She uses it in her hair. It sparks some static electricity, and there's a pretty much immediate explosion. It's just a bad way to go. It's just... Mm. And she's just she's burned alive in a very small tank. Yeah. So the next scene is Jack and the FBI crew examining George's body. They're at the hospital. And uh, so Will, even though he's still in the hospital, shows up to this investigation in his bathrobe with his IV. I'm like, man, go to bed, (laughs) Will. (laughs) Uh, So Jack is discussing uh, with, I believe, Price and Zeller, uh, you know, how this possibly could have happened. They, Jack assumes that it was a suicide, um, that Georgia did it on purpose. And Will from the get go says, no, this was not a suicide. She wouldn't have done that. She wasn't suicidal. And so he's trying to look for an explanation, uh, a different explanation. Um, but Jack's not convinced. And Jack thinks that Will is too caught up in their similarities and somehow by like, redeeming georgia and having it to where she didn't kill herself will help will and i mean it's it's one of those things where it's kind of a repeating pattern in in the show where jack's half right you know where it's like his his intentions are actually spot on you know like this is something will needs to do for himself but it's also again will knows what he's talking about so it's not it's not something he's like created out of this delusion in his head. It's like this is a real thing he's saying is happening and no one's listening to him because they think that he's too uh too close to it. It's like he is, but he's still right. <laughs> <laughs> he is too close to it, but it's leading him to the right conclusion, not the wrong one. Yeah. One hundred percent. This podcast has just turned into us being like, Will is correct, and everyone <laughs> but, needs to be nice to him. <laughs> but it's interesting because, like, that is Will's whole thing, is getting too close to the killer to understand what's going on and come to the right conclusion. So it's interesting when Jack accepts uh, Will's conclusions and when he doesn't. It has to serve his agenda. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, too, that I don't think Jack had previously realized that that is, that, that is what Will was doing. Um, and I think it's interesting kind of how his attitude towards Will changes when he realizes when, when he realizes nice. that. Yeah. yeah. In 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 um, conjunction with, of course, Will's concerning behavior and and unraveling and increasing instability. Yeah. So then we go to Freddie and Abigail mm-hmm. um, in Abigail's room and Freddie in is. Uh, kind of beginning the work of writing this tell-all with Abigail. And they're discussing, you know, what they want to title the book, how they want to structure it, all that kind of stuff. And they get to the subject of Nicholas Boyle. And it seems like Freddie is kind of on to Abigail a little bit, maybe. They have this conversation about um, 
how Freddy can tell if someone is guilty, if someone's a killer. Basically, she's just saying that Nicholas Boyle was innocent and he was not a killer. And so whoever killed him murdered him out of cold blood, you know. And it's it's clear from this point in the conversation that Freddie doesn't actually know what's happened and she doesn't actually suspect Abigail's done it because she then she continues to say that she has suspicions about Will Graham. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, okay, no, you don't know We're shit. back on that, aren't we, Freddie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Freddie and, and Jack have such interesting like connected character traits yeah they're kind of like mirrors of each other in certain ways yeah Yeah. which is so interesting that they hate each other (laughs) yeah yeah or that one is constantly vilified and one is like considered like the the one doing the right thing when it's like they really are both just bullies trying to get people to believe their theories (laughs) but i do think that freddie is more amoral Oh, Jack. definitely. Like, definitely. Jack is misguided in some ways, but I don't think he's, he's completely His compass amoral. ultimately points north. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also love how Freddy totally, like, just breezes by the fact I, that she's the one that set Nicholas Boyle, like, on the path toward Abigail. Like, she's the one that put Nicholas Boyle in danger. And she feels and she's no just, like, guilt for it. No. No, she just is discussing Nicholas Boyle's death. Like she had nothing to do with it. And And I was like, girl. This is why I was suspect about her behavior when she's kidnapped by Gideon in the last episode. Because I'm like, I want to think that it's just like the tra- a trauma response and her being shocked by having like no emotion. But then I'm like, honestly, I don't think she gives a shit about anyone. You know? Like there was the shock value of seeing of seeing Chilton being split open and having his organs kind of pulled out. But, like, there really wasn't this concern that Chilton was going to die. Because you see her in this conversation, and it's she truly, she basically, like, just says, like, in so many words that, like, she talked to Nicholas Boyle and kind of set him on this path. Yeah. But, like, again, there is no awareness for, like, how that makes her part of it. Yeah. No, she is her own kind of sociopath. Like she I mean, and she admits that. Yeah, she you does. She's she she's like, oh yeah, we're just a bunch of sociopaths sitting at a table. <laughs> or does she say psychopaths? I can't remember. I think she said psychopaths. Yeah. yeah. But really it's more sociopathic. Yeah. 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 At least in the beginning. She's something else. So then we move on. We go back to Will. He's Convinced Georgia was murdered. Uh, As we mentioned previously, he tells Jack this wasn't a suicide. Um, He has a nightmare where he sees Georgia kind of impaled by stag horns, and then she transforms into the stag. After being set on fire. So it's like fully connecting that like he thinks that her murder in the oxygen tank was a cover up or it was like it was a murder, not a suicide. And also was connected somehow to Garrett Jacob Hobbs yes, and the copycat and the killer copy and all of that killer. going on. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Will burst into Jack's office and he tells Jack this was a murder. Well, He's after sure about immediately it. saying, I checked myself out of the hospital. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, by the way, I'm out of the hospital. <laughs> oh, God. And again, none of these people give a shit about him because they were just like, you should probably go back. But like, no one made him go back to the no. hospital. <laughs> Well, and and this is where it's like, okay, sure, Jack kind of, you know, pushes Will at certain points, but also Will is like a fucking workaholic. 
this is kind of on Will, too, that he can't let work oh, go. Oh, no, no, it's 100% on Will. I'm just saying, if anybody really cared about him, they would be like, I don't give a shit, Will. I'm locking you oh, in no, the hospital sure. bed. Oh, no, for sure. For sure. For sure. Someone needs to be like, you need to take some time off. Uh, so... Jack is still not convinced it was a murder. He He's like, what would the motive be? What would the murder weapon be? Like, how would this even work? Cut to they're talking again to um, Price and Zeller, and they find this bit of plastic melted with bits of Georgia Mansion's hair kind of like uh, fossilized into the plastic because of the heat. And, um, of course, Will puts it together immediately. He's like, it's a comb. Could that be a plastic comb, you know? And so, obviously, someone gave that to her. And, I mean, I... No, I totally would be that person that's in that tank, brushing my hair, not realizing that it would create a spark. Like, I don't... I wouldn't think about that. Also, like, I'm a Leo. I'm vain. Of course I'd be combing my hair. I'd be like, if I've got to be in here on display in this chamber, I might as well look cute. And then, yeah, that would be my downfall. I thought it was, like, an extra kind of just, like, really dick move that they put that little rearview mirror in there for her. Yeah. Like, why are you going to let her see herself when you know it's not going to be pretty? Well, uh, well, honestly, because it's a TV show, she looked fine. But, like, I, right? she I know. wouldn't look fine. <laughs> yeah. In normal circumstances, you wouldn't give a patient who has been disfigured a mirror. <laughs> no, no. That's just cruel and unusual. <laughs> So, oh my God! What if I didn't notice? Is the mirror there when Will first talks to? Like, what if what if Hannah will put the mirror there too? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to go back and check. Well, that would be extra dark. We're gonna double oh, check and we'll get back to you. Yeah, we will. Um, that'll cut. Uh, find the footnotes for this later. We'll update you. <laughs> so then Will starts to connect the dots. He says that the copycat killer killed. George Madchen. He says that the copycat killer killed George Madchen. He killed um, Dr. Sutcliffe. And he he pulls out the drawer with Sutcliffe's corpse in it, too. And Price and Zeller and and, uh, and Jack are like, whoa, what are you doing? Stop touching the corpses. Like, he yanks it out. And he's like, you know, you know, Sutcliffe, whoever killed Sutcliffe was trying to kill him in a way that was similar to George's. Yeah, he's um, like basically demanding her. Price and Zeller tell him that there is a difference between yes. her murders and this murder. Um, or her murder, because she's only killed the one person. But Yeah. And so uh, he's so Will is just putting it all together. He's saying these were all the same person. This is all the copycat killer. Um, it's all connected. Us, to us, the audience, it makes complete sense because we are privy to knowledge that no one else in the show is. You know, we have Hannibal's side. It's it's already been established. Like, we know who it's been this whole time. So, like, when Will is making these leaps and connecting things, it's like, oh, yeah, that's logical. But then if you think about the fact that none of what we know is common knowledge, like, obviously, it just looks like he's delirious. It looks like conspiracy theory thinking. Yeah. And it looks, it looks like paranoid. He's got- red string on a board he's just pinning shit together you know right that he's so desperately needs to make meaning out of this that he's like connecting things that aren't connected yeah and i mean and hannibal even kind of frames it in an interesting way he says that like will's connecting all of these cases where the only common denominator is that he was the investigator and it's like hannibal shut the fuck up Mm -hmm. yeah because i'm tired of him leah (laughs) Because Jack is worried about Will, so he goes to Hannibal, and he talks to Hannibal about this, like, 
about what happened um, in the lab. And he's telling Hannibal, I think Will is losing it. I'm concerned about these leaps of logic he's making. You know, could he be mentally ill? What Help me figure out what's going on with Will. And that's when Hannibal kind of... Um, but overall, he's very tight-lipped and he won't spill the real problems that Will's been having to Jack. This is the kind of the first time in the show where we're not aware of where Hannibal's going to go with this. Like, we don't have any future knowledge of his plans or all of the chess pieces he's set up where, like, okay, what's going to happen? Because he's still trying to hide Will's um, issues from Jack. So you're like, what is he going to do? Like, how is he going to move on from here? Don't worry. The episode tells us. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because I think at the beginning of this episode, I don't think Hannibal knows exactly what he's no. going to do. Mm-mm. Like, it seems like he's going to try and pin the murder of Sutcliffe on Will. Uh, or he was thinking about that when it was a possibility that Georgia would wake up and remember. Well, at this point, we don't even really see the vision of him framing Will yet. We just That's see true. that Will looks crazy That's true. and that Hannibal is trying to like hide information. But also, the only thing we know for a fact is that his plan to frame Georgia Madsen has failed. Because Will, obviously, has exceeded his expectations for putting things together, even in his current state. And yeah, so it's just like, it's it's all, all we know right now is that Hannibal has underestimated Will and he's now kind of like figuring out how he's going to move forward with this yeah, and like how he's going to play it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's not he's not worried. He's just kind of like out of his depth because usually he's like 20 steps ahead and in this case he's only like 5. Mhm. Yeah. So it is I think us as the audience not knowing what Hannibal's going to do is really uh, reflective of Hannibal's own state of mind at the beginning. Exactly. At the, because of this they've episode. never withheld anything from us before. We've always kind of been on the same page as Hannibal in terms of knowing what he's planning. Yeah. 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 So Jack is a little frustrated that Hannibal won't give him information about Will. So Jack goes to Bedelia Dumarier, Hannibal's therapist, to see if he can get her to tell him anything that Hannibal has told her about Will. And she's even more tight-lipped than Hannibal. She is. <laughs> she is. Um, she's, I mean, she's a professional. So she's like, uh, that would violate co- uh, confidentiality. I can't discuss this with you. And Jack kind of tries to... Almost blackmail her? Yeah, like intimidate her a little bit, I guess. Yeah. By like letting her know how much he knows about her and the, you know, the her history her recent attack by a former patient. And basically he's saying he thinks there is something fishy there because Hannibal has also had this incident with a patient in his office and the patient died recently. So he's like, this has happened again. So I'm I'm starting to wonder what really went on in your office, kind of. Basically kind of implying if she doesn't give him information, he'll look into it further. It's yeah. Kind of was not- my understanding of it. And it's not going to look bad on just Hannibal. This would take her down, too. So he's like, protect yourself and tell me. <laughs> and she still doesn't give him much, though. No. Yeah. She's she she in her own admission later, she tells Hannibal she gave him half truths and and just like partial statements, which is like she just has a way of speaking that is almost hypnotic. I love Gillian Anderson in this role. Like she is so good. 
Yes. And so she kind of hints to Jack that Hannibal and Will have a more friendly relationship than you would expect from, you know, from a patient and a and a therapist. And she basically kind of hints to Jack that Hannibal might be protecting Will for some reason. She says that he considers Will a friend over a patient. And and the, the, for some reason, Jack kind of like gets puffed up about this. And he's like, well, I consider Will a friend too. And it's like, I don't think she was stating that you didn't. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> like, think she was like insinuating that you're not his friend why did she why did he get defensive about that it was weird because he knows he's a shitty friend yeah exactly yeah he was like oh i'm doing this for will not for me this is for will sure babe so jack is, is concerned about will but ultimately he does still trust will's gut because he goes back to price and zeller and he says all right look into this if will thinks it's the copycat killer let's see Let's go back to the Minnesota Shrike files. Let's see if we can find some connection there. Let's see if we can find some leads. Um, And of course, in true Jack fashion, he only is trusting Will's judgment or, or he's kind of following Will's gut here because he thinks it's going to lead to proof that Abigail is the killer. Yeah, he does kind of have that working theory. Yeah, yeah, so he's like, this will prove my theory that I think is right. Yeah, so it's a little Um, tautological. (laughs) He's like, I have this endpoint I think we're going to get to, so let's see if I'm right. (laughs) I mean, it's it's like textbook how not to investigate a case, you know? Like, you you can't go into an investigation already thinking you know who did it, because then you're just going to warp it all of the data to make it fit your hypothesis. Like, that's... It's it's textbook, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, speaking of Abigail, we get another scene with Abigail. Will goes to visit her, and he asks for her help. And he thinks that together they can catch the copycat killer and figure out who it is. I love Will in this episode because he, he does such a good, like, varying array of un unhinged expressions and like like the way like you can just tell that he's not okay but we haven't seen him like this before Mm -hmm. because it's a mix of like genuine desperation but also something that could be read as he reeks of desperation Mm -hmm. but he's also kind of he is the most lucid he's been in a few days you know yeah well in several episodes at least yeah, yeah yeah so it's like on on one hand, we're seeing the part of it, it's it's truly the acting is just so incredible because it's like the entire character of Will, where like we were saying earlier, he's too close to this and he's too he's too invested in these murders and the murderer and like their psyche, but he's also always drawing the right conclusion from it. And so it's here, it's like, yes, he is not okay. He is kind of delirious and he is going a little nuts, but he's also making all of the correct decisions and he's also, well, not decisions, but he's making all of the correct assumptions about things, you know? And he 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 hasn't made a bad call. So it's like, it's this really strange push and pull of like wanting to support him and like have him keep pursuing this, but also be like, go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this this conversation between Will and Abigail is is unlike any of the conversations they've had before. 
it's 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 like his conversations that he's had with her in his dreams. It's the first time they're really talking to each other and listening to each other. And they finally admit to each other that they both enjoyed killing when they did it. They both feel bad about how they don't feel bad. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's part of 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 why Abigail does end up going along with, with Will's plans later in the episode. Yeah. Um, well, and she, you can see that she's, she feels so relieved to have someone else share this with her, you know, because when she talks to Hannibal, Hannibal's been, he's, he knows everything that she's done, but he's never offered up any of his own um, experience to say that he's done the same thing or he's felt the same way. He's always just kind of been like, yes, and what you did was bad, but I'll lie about it. Right. And he... It's interesting because Hannibal uses the knowledge that he has about Abigail as like leverage to kind of control her, keep her scared. And the this scene between Will and Abigail, I mean, I guess, you know, this is Will's whole deal, but it's actual empathy, right? Because you would think that what would be happening between Hannibal and Abigail would be, oh, Hannibal understands because he's a killer too, but that's not how he approaches it because he has no empathy. And also he's not being upfront with her about how many people he's killed. He's Um, just using her. He doesn't actually care about her mental state. Right. There's a marked difference between this moment between this like real true moment between Abigail and Will and what we've seen between Abigail and Hannibal. Well, and it's, it's startling because he, he reaches out and grasps her hands and she like, she, she looks like she hasn't been touched in years. You know, she's like, she's so caught off guard with the fact that someone would be willing to like give her a warm touch, you know? And it's heartbreaking, and it's also, like, this whole entire time she's been with Hannibal seeking comfort from him but not getting it. Because, like, I mean, she's hugged Hannibal a couple of times, but, like, you can tell she got nothing from that. You know, it was kind of the opposite. Like, it's so sad that, like, a genuine – or not genuine, but, like, a full hug could offer less comfort than someone, like, touching your hand. She wants to believe that he can fix things. Mm Mm-hmm. And and you understand why, you know. So next we have a scene between Hannibal and Bedelia DeMarie. This is when she tells Hannibal, hey, Jack came to see me. What's going on? <laughs> and she basically tells Hannibal to knock it off. She's like, whatever you're doing with Will, you need to stop. Like, it's not uh, appropriate and it's not going to lead to anything good, she says in so many words. And then Hannibal's like, but I love him, mom. (laughs) Basically, yeah, basically. (laughs) And he's like, but, you know, Will's my friend and, 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 and. I know um, what I'm doing. Yeah. And Bedelia basically says, she's like, well, I don't remember exactly how she says it, but she says in so many words, like, okay, you might think it's friendship, but you can't be friends with someone who doesn't understand friendship and when it's coming from you who doesn't understand friendship. It's because it's basically like Hannibal doesn't know what friendship is and Will's not in a place to understand friendship at all, kind of, right. you know? Yeah. She's basically saying from both sides, neither one of you like knows what a normal friendship is. <laughs> yeah, like basically Jack or Will is mentally unstable. Therefore you can't try to be his friend right now. And also you just don't know what friendship is because you're crazy because you're a psychopath yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly (laughs) and hannibal's like nah nah it's fine this is all part of my treatment plan is basically how he puts it he's like i'll know when i'll have to pull back if i have to yeah 
which is like, all right. I That's don't, not comforting to anyone but you. I don't think. know if I trust you on that. <laughs> uh, then we get Will in Hannibal's office, and Hannibal and Will is telling Hannibal about his theory about the copycat killer. Will is insisting that he's fine. He tells Hannibal, I'm seeing clearly, like, I've never been better. I'm finally feeling like myself again. Um, And Hannibal, of course, knows that Will is right. Uh, So he goes immediately into gaslighting mode. He's like, no, you're paranoid. Uh, Don't drag Abigail into your delusions. Like, you're so way off base here. You need to stop this. Uh, And then something super interesting happens in this scene. This is the scene where Hannibal's plan crystallizes for him in his own mind, I think. And we see it. We have Will kind of saying out loud his his hypothesis about everything that's gone down and saying that he thinks that the copycat killer planned on pinning the murder on Dr. Sutcliffe on Georgia Madchen. And, well, no, he says that he thinks that his original, the copycat's original plan was to pin the do- murder of Dr. Sutcliffe on Will and that Georgia Madsen just happened to be there. And so she got in the way and it had to be pinned on her. And so he's basically saying that, like, I'm the one that the killer wants to frame. And you can kind of see in Hannibal's eyes where he's like realizing that that was kind of where he was going. He's like, yes, I was, I'm going to frame Will for this. And he's a little bit caught off guard by the fact that Will knew this before he did, almost. And it's just, again, phenomenal acting, all of these micro-expressions telling a full story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get this short, um, it's not exactly a close-up, it's more of like kind of a mid-shot. It's like Hannibal sitting in his chair and you get like his torso. And Hannibal just has this pretty blank expression, as he usually does. And there's a split second where he just, he closes his eyes and opens them again. And you know, in that instant, is when he's decided. He's he's resigned. He's resigned to himself to the idea that he has to do this. He has to pin it on Will because there's nothing else to do. Yeah. And even though he has these feelings of friendship, <clears throat> romance, whatever, uh, for Will, in the end, he is a serial killer who has to look out for himself. So right. Self-preservation like, is his number one everything. Yeah. motivator. Yeah. yeah. And it's and again, it's like it's as close to regret as you're ever gonna see Hannibal get. Just this small moment of closing. You his can eyes. tell when through the conversations he has with both Jack, Will, and Dr. DeMaurier, like you see Hannibal is so completely caught off guard with the fact that he's actually feeling these things for will these feelings of friendship or or wanting to help him all of this because in the beginning like he admits to almost everything else this was just kind of an experience uh, experiment to see what would happen if he let certain things fall you know and so he's now he's like oh shit especially after the episode where he almost gets will killed by the the violin murderer um, he's like, oh, this is this is not what I kind of was was thinking was going to happen, and I didn't realize that I would be kind of um, the element of surprise here. And so all of this is happening, but in the end, Hannibal is Hannibal, and that's not going to stop him from framing Will, which isn't surprising because he was also ready to let 
Will's encephalitis kill him. Right, right. Well, and we were talking about this before we started recording, that what makes Hannibal so diabolical is that he doesn't have some master plan. He just... He like he compulsively manipulates people. He has to set all of these pieces in place. He does all this stuff just to see what'll happen, you know, because he's curious, which as you said, he admits to multiple times. <laughs> um and then he in order to cover his own tracks and 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 for self-preservation, then he can move these pieces in whatever way he needs to to get the end results of people not realizing he's a serial killer, right? And it's extra diabolical because yeah framing will was not his plan from the beginning but he set all these pieces in motion so that he's 20 steps ahead of everyone and then if anything happens he's got all these contingency plans it's just like and you can tell nuts it's insane (laughs) as much as he's allowed to based on his own makeup you know he does feel bad that this is the contingency contingency Oh, my God. He does feel bad that this is the plan that he has to end up on. You know, he's like, you can tell he he would want to do it a different way if he could. Yeah. But just thinking about, like, you know, all of the medical gaslighting of Will, for example, was just for shits and giggles. Like, he didn't do this because framing Will was his, like, master plan. He just did that for fun. Like, that's so evil. (laughs) And and it's funny that Will was kind of saying that this was the plan or whatever, because like we know it wasn't. And when Hannibal goes to kill Dr. Sudcliffe, that was just kind of the the byproduct of having Dr. Sudcliffe finally get cold feet about what they were doing to Will. You know, he's like, obviously, that's not a long term thing. He can't keep allowing this doctor to to lie to his patient, blah, blah, blah. So like we knew from the beginning that Dr. Sudcliffe was going to go. But then in the version that we see through Georgia Manchin's eyes of her kind of wandering in, it's not planned. Like Hannibal looks up, sees her, and is kind of just like, oh, okay, and gives her the weapon. And then it's like, okay, so it's going to be framed on her. And then when that falls through, because obviously she's starting to remember things, he's like, well, she has to go. And then it's like, well, I guess the next logical step, like Will has been saying, is to frame Will for this. But like... Unlike what Will's saying, that wasn't the plan from the beginning. Yeah. And like I said, somehow that's that's worse. Yeah. Somehow it's yeah. more evil. Yeah. I don't know. Because it's, it's so... almost like he's... It's just because he's so apathetic. He's right. so it's just exactly. neutral about all of this. And it's he's the god kind of watching it all unfold. And I think that that's what makes this version of Hannibal one of the most compelling and scary, like, psychopaths ever put on screen. <laughs> Because he truly is a psychopath and behaves that way. He's so far removed from humanity that he is kind of a a true monster. You know, he's he's what it's he's and he's so much worse than all of the ones that we see throughout week to week from the regular show of like murder of the week. You know, like all of those murderers had something very simple and human to explain how they ended up where they did and how they how they fell so far. Or I even think about something like Dexter, you know, where he's supposedly a psychopath and he's a serial killer, but he like channels these uh, urges into something moral and noble. Not that he necessarily has those convictions himself, but he does it, you know, to please his dad or whatever and to not get caught and all this stuff. Um, But it's interesting as that show went on, they really, I think, stumbled with 
keeping Dexter like truly psychopathic, like in order to make him a compelling, interesting main character, I think they they were constantly tempted into like humanizing him a little bit. Um, and they did. I think that and they was did. Kind of the downfall of that show. I that agree. I agree. Especially and the reboot. Like, yes. oh God, don't get yes. me started. No, but, I agree. Yeah. And this is so different. <laughs> yes. I think that this car- this version of Hannibal is like a good counterpoint to that because they never humanize him. Uh, and that's a very difficult thing to do with a series as having the main character be this villain because you want you want people to still be invested, you know? Right. And, and you are is, totally with Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I mean, you think about all of the other versions of Hannibal we've gotten, like with Silence of the Lambs, and it, he was kind of portrayed in this in a similar way you know where he is just so far removed from everyone else and he's above them and he he somehow has this like way of speaking and his his mannerisms almost delude you into thinking he's not as bad as he is you know but then in the movie it's so much simpler because like he was never going to have any kind of redemption, you know, and it's a very quick plot. But like, with a series that you have all these twists and turns, and you don't know where you're going to end up, it's like, it's it's so compelling that they've managed to keep him simultaneously, like, interesting and, and in almost attractive to the audience, you know, but while still being a complete monster, and terrifying, he is terrifying. Like when we have that discussion of, um, between Jack and Hannibal and we'll get into that too but like he has this moment where he's like having this genuine emotion in his face well it, it, it seems looks like, genuine yeah <laughs> seems genuine emotion of being distressed about the circumstances that they find Will in and then as soon as um Jack's back is turned and he leaves the room it just falls off his face oh, like his he's face dropping goes a dead coat. it's just oh, like it's completely so removing an ex- and it's it's so unsettling to see because that's just not how humans work, you know, that's not or that's not how we should work. That's not natural to be able to just kind of like mimic these emotions so seemingly genuinely just to only like toss them away because they're not real, you know, and it's it's very unsettling. It is. It is. Back to the story. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before yet, though, because I think this, this, these final, you know, four or so episodes is where I think well, it- we've gotten a very clear view of this version of Hannibal. You know, it's it's been like you said, it's the penultimate episode of season one. We have all of the the evidence before us on how this Hannibal functions. So we can finally kind of examine that. Yeah. So I don't think we have talked about this before. So I I think it's great. Um <laughs> So the next scene is Price and Zeller reporting back to Jack with the um, information he requested. They do find evidence that Abigail was with Garrett Jacob Hobbs for every murder. They see, you know, um, they find, uh, they go through the, the paper trail, basically. There are two train tickets every time. There's dinner for two. There are There's a hotel room with two beds. All this stuff that indicates that Garrett Jacob Hobbs was traveling with the second person. And every single university that the victims attended, there was a um, a paper trail signing that had Garrett Jacob Hobbs and Abigail signed up to tour said university. So, like, very, very damning links 
between both of them. Yeah, they find that Abigail was registered for orientation mm-hmm. at every single... I forgot that word. Orientation mm-hmm. was just yeah. gone. I was yeah. like, <laughs> touring the college. It's I don't know. It's been too long since we were <laughs> undergrads. Yes, so there's evidence that Abigail was there. And and so this confirms to Jack that Abigail was the lure. She was the bait. This has been Jack's working theory since the beginning. Well, and he doesn't stop there. He says that she hunted with her father. That she, she, he basically, he says in, in so many words that Abigail helped her father choose the victims, which is not true. But this is, again, this is Jack's version of events, so it's what he believes is true. And so he's warping all of the evidence to support this. Right. And this allows Jack to make the next leap, which is that Abigail is the copycat killer. That she killed the first victim to, the first uh, copycat victim to impress her father. And then um, after he died, she continued to do it to, he says, maybe to impress someone else. He says the the second one was probably like in his memory honoring him. And then the next one was because she found someone she needed to impress. Mm -hmm. Yes. So then Jack takes another step and he says, okay, well, Will probably knows something about this, probably knows something about Abigail's involvement with the murders, with her father's murders, and he's protecting her. Yeah, he's been covering for her because he doesn't, he has some kind of... um, feeling of responsibility, of obligation to Abigail. So obviously he's hiding things. So naturally he has to go, he goes to see Abigail, yeah, and to to kind of talk with her. And of, when she gets there, she fi- he finds Freddie Lowndes and she's like, yeah, I got here and they told me that Will Graham snuck her off. Funny that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't know why he felt the need to be sneaky because he's uh, one of her legal guardians. So I don't know why he was acting weird. Uh, <laughs> She's so annoying. She is. She really is. Uh, so then Jack goes to Hannibal and he's like, okay, uh, Will has absconded with Abigail. Please be straight with me. What is going on with Will? Tell me where they are. What's been happening with Will? Like, this isn't, this This is serious now. You have to tell me. And you can see in Hannibal's expression, he didn't expect things to escalate as quickly as they had. And so he's like, okay, well, I have to, okay, here, like, I'm, I'm ready for my Oscar. Let's go. I'll turn it on. And he tries to basically undo all of what Jack has been saying that's damning Abigail as the killer, and he's working it to look like it's actually been Will this whole time. And so he he finds this recording that we have from an earlier episode, a very early episode, where Will admits to um, – he well, he doesn't really admit to anything. He says he feels guilty over Marissa Schur's death, which is the friend that was killed in the antler room. That we know Hannibal killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and That got pinned on Nicholas Boyle. He's yes, officially yes. the... And um, then Hannibal asks why he feels guilty to, cause, because he, like, is close to Garrett Jacobs Hobbs or whatever. And he's like, no, I feel guilty because I feel like I killed her. And, of course, that's not where the conversation stopped. But without context, that seems pretty damning, you know? And so he just plays that little snip for Jack and then kind of starts telling him all of these stories about how everything that we know is because of his encephalitis. He's framing it to be where, like, Will's having some kind of uh, 
like personality break and he's right. actually right that he's been... having these dissociative episodes where he thinks he's someone else yeah and that someone is garrett jacob exactly hobbs. hannibal's like who does he feel really close to it's garrett jacob hobbs <laughs> so not only does he frame it to where abigail's in danger she's not the murderer it's been will it's been will this whole time and he finds a way to frame it where it's like, yeah, Jack, it's your fault that Will is like this. <laughs> yes, because Jack is like, why were you keeping all of this from me? Like, if it's this bad, why weren't you telling me? And Hannibal's like, well, I had to decide. I had to determine if it was trauma from all of the stress and trauma from all of the work you've been making him do or if it was true mental illness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And either way... It, the fault lies on Jack, you know, is what Hannibal's saying. It's like, even if this is mental illness, it was it stemmed from you making him get this close, you know, and not listening to me about saying I was concerned with him. And he's like, the whole time he's been saying, like, I know Will, I know Will. And then out of nowhere, after Hannibal offers up this alternate line of t- this alternate time, alternate timeline, he's like, we haven't known Will that long. <laughs> And it's like, oh, my God, idiot. (laughs) Yeah. So Hannibal just fully throws Will under the bus here. Uh, This is where Hannibal sets this plan in motion fully to frame Will and uh, get him uh, get all of the copycat murders pinned on Will. And then it's at the end of this scene where we have that terrifying moment where when Jack leaves, uh, all the expression just leaves Hannibal's face. It just goes blank, dead, so creepy. And then immediately back into calculating, he's thinking about where to go from here. And obviously, the next scene we get is between Will and Abigail. They're on a plane heading to the father's cabin, Garrett Jacob Hobbs' cabin in Minnesota. They Will thinks that he can, with the help of Abigail, kind of put together the timeline of events and figure out who this copycat killer is. And there's always been an element of Will's sort of empathetic recreations where he has to be in the place where it happened. So there is some, there is something to that. So for him, it's like he's going back to Minnesota, back to the cabin, back to where this all started to see if he can piece it together the way that he, he does. And he wanted to do this the last time, but he was basically interrupted by the murdering of marissa sure so like it's kind of like he's like let's go back to the beginning back to where we should have been this whole time now that i'm thinking clearly and so abigail's tagging along and they have another one of their double meaning conversations on the plane where she's basically saying that everything has been tainted because of her father's murders and that she doesn't really she's not it seems like she's saying to Will that he can never be a friend to her because of what happened. And so it's 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 a dark moment and then we get to the cabin and oh no, what's happened? Will looks like a boiled turkey again. Yeah, he's all sweaty, he's going on and like he's very intense. We get what we think is a interaction between Abigail and Will at this at the the um, cabins with they're in the upstairs loft area with all of the antlers and basically it's revealed to will through what this abigail is saying um that she's the lure she was the one that kind of helped her dad get in contact with the victims 
but she wasn't the one that was hunting with him. This is where it's kind of clarified that we find out exactly what her role was. And she's freaking out and she's like, did Hannibal tell you? And he slams, Will slams Abigail up into the wall and and pierces her and pales her on the antlers. And then it snaps to them talking still in the cabin. And we realize that that was his just like waking nightmare of putting together everything. And she's freaking out in the back like, hey, you don't look good. What's happening? Like, I'm concerned. And he basically just like levels out the accusations like he's like i know it was you you were the lure jack was right about you and basically just terrifies abigail she's like what's happening and you find out later that like will just kind of has a break there and he loses time abigail leaves him at the cabin and he somehow ends up back at the airport in dulles Virginia. yeah yeah after this very intense conversation with abigail there's a cut and And Will wakes up, he's on a plane, he's in Dulles, he's lost time, Abigail's not with him, he doesn't know what happened. And he's understandably freaked out. And at this point, we don't know how much of either scene is accurate to what really went down. We don't know how much of any kind of conversation went down between Will and Abigail. And we don't know if she's been hurt, or if she's fine, like, we don't know anything. And Will doesn't either. Will's freaked out to say the least (laughs) so the final scene of this episode is between abigail and hannibal abigail has returned to um, her parents house she left the cabin she got back to the house and hannibal shows up because he uh heard from jack of course that uh abigail and will had gone back to minnesota they were missing or he he puts it together that they went back to minnesota he knows where will took abigail Yeah, because Will told him that his plan was to go back to Minnesota. So, and he never told Jack that. That's one of of the things he withheld. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) So Hannibal shows up at the house. He finds Abigail. Abigail is visibly shaken up. She's like, yeah, Will is not okay. Like, he was scaring me. So I left. I left him at the cabin because he was freaking me out. Um, and so basically it's, it's determined that the second set of events at the cabin is what happened. Yes. 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 Uh, where Will just is like disheveled, freaking out and yelling at Abigail and then she leaves. And so she wasn't hurt, but there was that confrontation between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal finally shows his full hand to Abigail. It seems like he's come there to kill her. So now he has nothing to lose, so he lays it out. In the most fucking unnerving, awful way ever, though, because, again, it's it's paralleling that discussion that Will and Hannibal had, where Will's kind of piecing it together before Hannibal. And so we have this scene where Abigail's talking to Hannibal and saying, like, Will knows these things. He knows about me being the lure. They're going to come after me. And um, basically, she's saying that she has suspicions about Will because she's she's scared of him. You know, she was scared of what she saw. And instead of kind of refuting that or anything, he just kind of says that, like, yeah, they're going to come after you. Yeah, they're going to think Will did this. They're going to think Will killed everyone before, you know, the copycat murders. And then instead of leaving it there, he's like, he just fully admits to her that it's him the whole time and that he has killed a lot more people than her father had ever. Yeah. And she, she says to Abigail says to Hannibal, like 
Yeah, Will always said that whoever called the house that day was a serial killer. And she asks him, why did you call the house? And he says, you know, just I wanted to I warn. I wanted to see what would happen. Yeah, I wanted to warn your father and see what would happen. And then she asks him, how many people have you killed? And he says, more than your father. Mm. And it's and just. She's, she's eyes full of tears, beyond terrified, petrified. And he kind of just reaches out and caresses her face and just says, like, this isn't what I wanted to happen. This isn't the fate that I wanted for you. And she's like, are you going, after she asks, are you going to kill me? And then the episode ends. And so it's, it's not looking good for Abigail or Will. And I mean, it's certainly not looking good for Abigail because Hannibal's told her too much. She can't live at this point uh, because he's revealed himself to her fully. Uh, So she, she's not making it out, uh, unfortunately. And it's, and I think he, be- I think Hannibal believes it when he says this isn't the the fate that I wanted for you because he was hoping that she was truly Garrett Jacob Hobbs's daughter and that she had played a more active role and enjoyed it. He wanted a little psychopath daughter, and she she he wanted wasn't. to turn Will into a killer, and he wanted to turn her into a killer, and he wanted to have their little killer family. <laughs> well, that's just his <laughs> fucked up way of like seeking connection, right? Because that's he he can't. And it all started because he had this initial spark of connection with Will. And that kind of, I think, started the gears turning that he could have something that he previously thought wasn't ever going to be for him. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's on, it's Abigail's downfall that she is basically innocent, you know, (laughs) like the fact that she uh, wasn't more bloodthirsty sealed her fate, unfortunately. But yeah, that, that scene is so heartbreaking because you can just see Abigail putting it together like, oh, no, you're the one I should have been afraid of this whole time, not Will. And she had that moment of realizing that like all of those moments that Will offered to her to like, connect, to try to form a bond that she had kind of shut down because she was putting all her cards in Hannibal and then realizing that the extent of that mistake, you know? And it's just oh, it's tragic. so sad. It's, it's oh, so sad. Yeah. So, yes, we have one more episode after this. Um, this episode ends, yeah, in a really dramatic spot. I mean, we knew it wasn't going to end happy. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's there's not a way that this worked out. So, but it's just the way they built it up was just beautiful. It it's really even coming at it from the perspective of where we've seen all of the all three seasons multiple times through we know what's going to happen we know what continues to happen but it still ends up feeling like the first time when you watch it you know it's it's so heartbreaking every time and it's so fascinating to watch this evil mastermind put all of this together and watch it all fall and yeah yeah it's crazy if you didn't know before, we're big fans of this show. <laughs> I mean, I, in case you were wondering. In, in case, case you were was, curious. So in case that was still an open question. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> I literally choked myself with that. <laughs> uh, so that hmm. brings us to our nightcap section, our miscellaneous details. Did we have anything for this episode? There's a lot going on in this episode. Um, I feel like we had a pretty detailed recap because there was so much going on. But I think we do have a few things for the nightcap. 
R.I.P. Georgia, you will be missed. Gone but not forgotten. <sighs> she deserved better. So mm. feels so bad for her. At the same time, though, is there a life that would ever be fulfilling to her after knowing that she murdered her best friend? I'm not saying I'm. I'm not saying that like that she deserved to die or that she like it's a good thing she's dead. I'm just saying that like you could see a small mercy in it. Yeah. 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 But yeah. also she deserved better. She deserved better. Yeah. That, that, and then, yeah, that opening scene between her and Will is so heartbreaking. Um, and then for her to die after that, it's like, Oh, George. And such <sighs> a gruesome, violent death too. It's just, it's that, that had, that's such a painful way to go. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's not a quick death. Because there would be no smoke because it's an oxygen chamber, you know, so like you wouldn't be knocked out with the fumes like you would in a typical fire, you know, so she would be conscious and aware the entire time. There's some nightmare fuel for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moment of silence for Georgia. Uh, this episode, we also got no cooking scenes. We didn't see Hannibal in the kitchen at all, but we did get more of his... Return uh, of the meal prep king. Yes, with his fancy (laughs) little Tupperware. And Brie pointed this out, which is, I hadn't really thought about before, but it's true. Hannibal has only brought his food to Will. Everyone else has to come to Hannibal's house to be fed, but he brings his special food to Will multiple times. Uh, Suck on that, Alana. (laughs) You've never gotten Hannibal, <laughs> Chef Hannibal's cooking to go. <laughs> Delivered to you in his little Tupperware. Um, yeah, so there, I think there is some some significance there. Yeah, that he, that he brings his food to Will and everyone else has to come to him. Well, and if you think about it, this is the only time Hannibal's ever, the only time Hannibal's ever not made some, like, elaborate crazy dish has been for will he's made him like a protein scramble yeah and it was just sausage and eggs and then chicken chicken soup so like even though they were both obviously like chef quality alternatives to those things this is the first time he hasn't been like here's this crazy french dish that i prepared for you like he he's he's humbled himself for will yeah it's like the hannibal version of comfort food which is like again i think very significant so Keep an eye on that. Uh, finally, there was no Bev this week. We yeah, missed her. We missed her. We yeah. missed her. The the dynamic duo was left to kind of just be as fucking insane as they wanted. <laughs> her. Nobody to check them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she was. Uh, Bev was deposed in court this week. Uh, Price and Zeller explained, so she was not around to uh, tell Will to go to bed. I mean, that's probably honestly a big, a big reason for the lack of Bev in certain episodes is that she would be the only one to genuinely like worry about Will out of that crew, you know? And so she's not there to be concerned, you know, because Price and Seller are just like, it's fucking crazy. (laughs) Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's telling that that she is written out of certain episodes. Uh, I think exactly for that reason, because if she was around, she'd be like, hey, (laughs) somebody checking on Will. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I think that speaks to the kind of relationship that Bev and Will have. She can't be blamed for not being involved if she's not there. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's she got jury duty, as uh, Zeller says. <laughs> I think it's, it's Price that says jury duty, um, which is their joke, because she's deposed in court. Um, 
Any final thoughts on this episode before we wrap it up? Just that I cannot wait, but also am dreading recording the final episode of season I one. Know. I know. I'm so excited for it, but I'm also so sad that it's going to be the last one for a while. It's been like, it's it's the highlight of my week to get to just rant about Hannibal for an hour or two with you. <laughs> I know. It's been so fun. I mean, I think that doing the seasons is is will be fun and, and I think... It'll be good to have a break and come back Necessary to it next year. Break, definitely. Yeah. But I'm going to miss it for sure. Mm-hmm. We were talking about uh, maybe doing a little supplemental side project to keep uh, Friends for Dinner alive while we're not doing new episodes. Um, so keep an eye on that. We'll we'll uh, keep you updated about that. But we will not be... Interesting re- things in the works. Yes. Yes. So even when we're not releasing new epi- episodes, we will hopefully uh, still be... We're on that Hanagram train. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hanagram, that's a lifestyle. That never... <laughs> no, there ain't no rest for the wicked over here. <laughs> it's a full-time commitment, baby. <laughs> but we'll try and keep the Friends for Dinner community going, even when we're not uh, releasing new episodes. On that note, thank you so much for joining us. And if you cannot wait for next week's final episode for a while... Please let us know how much you've been enjoying the podcast. And you can also find our hashtag on Twitter, which is Friends for Dinner Pod. Yes, you can follow the hashtag. Or if you want, you can also follow um, us on Instagram or Twitter at Fang Club Pod. Um, that's our podcast account. Uh, we post about Friends for Dinner and we also post about our other podcast fan club uh so if you want updates on this podcast or the other follow the account is that it is that all the logistical stuff i feel like we should have more but we never do this is a low (laughs) it's a low budget operation (laughs) we got no sponsors we got nobody to thank we just have to thank the listeners and that's it it's easy so thank you and if you're somehow watching this or listening to this podcast while watching Hannibal for the first time, let us know what you think is going to happen. Give us, give, give us your first impressions. I'm, I'm so far removed from the first time watching this that I can't even imagine watching it with fresh eyes. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I w- I'm very keen to hear any anybody's first impressions. Let us know. Yeah, if there are any Hannibal virgins out there, we want to know. We would be so honored if someone watched the show for the first time. Did like... we pop your Hannibal chair? <laughs> <laughs> we want to know. We want to take credit. <laughs> Uh, all right well thank you so much for tuning in and listening and sharing and all that good stuff we really really appreciate you uh we will be back next week with our final episode of season one buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> get ready because we are not <laughs>